Hello, Swenson Sound. Oh, I'm sorry, Ivy. It's rather late in the evening, and I've accidentally awoken her with the stylist message. And I do realize that the cutie voice is probably horrific and, like, appalling. What else am I going to talk? This little baby. Hi. Oh, she does not want to be pet. She does not want to be acknowledged. Um, but I've had a nightmare. And, oh, stretch. Oh, I didn't expect to talk. I thought I was just going to be, like, one of those things you just stay in bed, like, in a little bit of a zombie state until you awaken. My voice, my voice, my choice of words, where did the P come from? Is poor. I think that's what I was getting at. Um, as a result. But I... Something I've just kind of been thinking about, it was, like, partially prompted, like, brought to my attention, but then it was also just something that was a bit residual from my, like, current attempts to close the gaps in my friendships of, like, just being there for people and actually telling them about myself because, um, I I decided that after each episode I'm going to record a little clip to include in the outtakes um, for this season of just, like, reviewing things, so it'll be addressed in, what, like, ten episodes, I guess? But I've been called, like, a little bit of an enigma by my friends where it's like, yeah, we'll be close, like, we've been close for a long time, but there's so much where I just, like, literally don't know about you. And I realize that it's partially, even though I've worked really hard to talk about my present more, and I feel as though I'm quite good at that now. I still very seldom will talk about, like, my childhood or anything like that. And I think it's just partially because I'm not a person that often reminisces. So it just doesn't come to mind that quickly. Like, it, it takes effort to dig up. But I realize that that is important to friendships, you know? That you should take the effort or make the effort to dig things up. I don't know if you can hear that wrestling. But there's this bag that I got from my master's program. And Grace Rapey loves to sit on it and make biscuits because she likes the crinkling sound. So that would be what it is. Um, (laughs) So rather than like, uh, this is going to be a practice in actively recalling my childhood, I guess. Um, And... If nothing else, now that my friends know about this, or some of them do, you guys can listen (laughs) and maybe know a bit more about me. Oh, hello. Grace Rip is now sitting on me. She's probably going to scream. She's a screamy beast. Um, But it was also honestly something I thought about, partially because of Grace Rapey. But there is Ivy attacked her, so now she's not on the bed. Uh, the play-by-play. I should be a sports broadcaster. Anyway, um, I was petting Graystripe the other day, and I felt like I was a little girl again. I was just like, whoa, that, like, this feels like a time portal, because even though we're so far away from Chicago and so far away in terms of time of the ways we once were, I can so distinctly, so I used to, like, I had, like, build the bears 
And I had this, like, for the Build-A-Bear, it was a sequined pink tank top. But I thought it would be a cute dress on gray stripe. <laughs> I put it on her, but she was still such a tiny kitten at the time that she would just keep tripping over it. It was so cute. Um, but yeah, this was like, I we've had gray stripe since even before the last house we lived in in Chicago, um, which I would consider to be my childhood home, the one before, even though the second one I would say, like, I lived there for all of high school plus, like, a year. And then my first year of university um, was where I came back to before my mom moved to North Carolina. And that house was on, uh, I don't see the harm in saying it now, it was on Raven Street in Chicago in Norwood Park. And then we moved to Old Norwood Park and on a street called Hurlbutt, which I still think is funny. Um, Also, fun fact about Old Norwood Park, it's, like, it used to be a horse racing track. Um, although the standards for the length of a horse race are different now, so it's no longer like standard size. But there's a big loop around the neighborhood, and during like peak COVID, I would just do like walk laps around that neighborhood and envision my life in New York. And then I get accepted to NYU uh, to transfer. I don't know if I said this, but I never applied um, to NYU in high school. Because my mom, I went to New York a lot in high school because that's where my mom's boyfriend lived. Uh, so we would just go and see him sometimes for like breaks, whatever, long weekends. Because uh, I quit swimming when I realized that I wasn't going to um, do it in college. Like I was recruited heavily D1 and all of that, but I just didn't want to anymore. So we toured. NYU or I went to some like seminar thing I don't really know what it was but I I just didn't vibe with NYU I was like I'm I'm okay I'll pass but I realized that it must have been for like CAS or something because I thought it was just like standard kind of boring and I just hadn't heard of Gallatin until I went to Northeastern my freshman year um but anyway I was playing cruise trip and I just remembered literally being 10 years old <laughs> in my childhood home, putting on these putting these dresses on my kitten, and it just felt so vivid and so real, and it brought me to such a place of like, oh, I wonder if she remembers this. I remember if she remembers all the ways we used to be, um, and if that's why she's kind of grumpy now, because she's a pretty grumpy kitty. She sleeps a lot. But every once in a while, she'll come out just determined to be picked up, to be pet and loved the way she always was when she was little. Um, Because for the longest time, we had three cats, and she was the youngest of them. And so she was used to being, like, the little sister of the cats, or, like, she always had the kitten energy. So when Ivy came, and Ivy is the neediest thing. I love that. I love to attend to this needy kitty. But my mom and I, like, we literally call her Velcro because she, the second you lay down, is on you. Like, she's laying on your chest, on your neck. You cannot breathe. And <laughs> it's endearing. It's so sweet. It makes you slow down in the most wonderful way. Uh, she has no thoughts in her head. She's pretty dumb. But Graystripe is a smart cat. And, you know, that, like, those instances of her... Being like overwhelmingly there, screaming for attention. She likes to paw up the leg. She's always done that. It's so cute. And whenever she gets like 
excited or riled up, her tail goes like sticks up straight and is really fluffy. And when she was a small kitten, we used to call it, um, we would call her an exclamation point. That's just what her tail looked like. Um, so yeah, I've just been thinking a lot specifically about that time in my life, probably ages like 10 to 13, especially because it's probably the least documented era that I've ever had um, because I was so insecure um, that I just would not allow photos to be taken of me at all. And like, my mom takes pretty bad photos of me in general, <laughs> but I've gotten to an age where I just like, don't care. I accept it. I, I'm not so frazzled. I know myself well enough to not be rattled by like a singular poor image, you know? There are definitely like days where it's like, I, I just don't need to see a photo that was taken of me. And sometimes that's the easier route, but I won't deny her of that anymore because I know it makes her happy. And at the time I was just too entangled in being a very like severely, like a chronically anxious individual, severely depressed with chronic depression then, not even just the seasonal affective disorder. Um, but I was one of those, one of those kids, because I was, I was a kid. <laughs> I was, like, very chronically online, very much on Tumblr. Um, But to me, luckily, honestly, I was a part of, like, very, like, safe-feeling fandoms. And I understand that with any niche or fandom, you could... It could go awry. But I liked Doctor Who because in, I want to say, like, fourth grade, one of my best friends at the time... um, I feel like it, maybe it's okay to say childhood friend names, but her name's Natalie. And she wrote like a book when we were kids. It was crazy. And one of our, in my English class, so this was in sixth grade, um, because in sixth grade, that was the first time that we had like, we didn't just have one teacher the whole day, if that makes sense. I feel like there was a couple of classes in fourth and fifth grade where we would go to another teacher's room for the day, or not for the day, for like, um, a period to have that class. Maybe it was just fifth grade. I don't know. I'm getting a little confused now. And anyway, not the point. I'm talking about sixth grade. So we had, we split the day into even thirds, but we'd start off with like a homeroom and that was like your main teacher sort of thing. So we were, and that would be the cohort that you'd like move through the day with. And so Natalie was in mine. And this was at a school I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say the school. Not that it matters, but I just... Um, it'd be pretty easy to guess if, if you know Norwood Park. There's not many schools. Um, the day was went to thirds, and whenever we got to English, there would be, like, a word of the day. And we would do, like, a little five- to ten-minute activity at the start of class where... I think it was maybe five minutes. Not that that's that important. But you would just have to use the word in, like a short story that could only take up a page. And Natalie and I were always like, it was genuinely in the best spirit because Natalie is the sweetest person ever. We would both like read our story every day and it'd get voted on for like, who's is better? And it, we had, it was like pretty even split. Um, but yeah, no, she was great. But she got me into Doctor Who because she came from like a very sweet, like kind of nerdy family, you know? 
Like the, just those families that it's just, you go into their home and it's like, wow, this is capital H home. It's so cozy here. Um, and I love any house that my mom makes in her image, but it was something where it was like literally as a small child, like I'd have friends over and they'd be like, oh my God, your house looks like it's like out of a magazine because it's so like neat, orderly. And I'm very much that way too, where as much as I like sentimental pieces, I still want it to be part of the whole. <laughs> I don't really need it to be that kind of immersive thing. Although, I feel like I talked about this in the swimming episode. There was this one girl I was really close with for a while. Um, or we were all very close, but it was just like... we At that time, we all spent the most amount of... We spent the most of time at her house. And it was where she had, like, all these siblings. They're all much older than her. But it was so, like, lived in of a space. And it was great to, like, have all the little... I definitely talked about it because it was the thing where it's like, oh, the... If something, if a door slides and hits something in the same place, it'll chip away at the wood, and that's how you can tell life was lived there. But they had books everywhere. They had board games, and it was, like, the most kid-friendly home. It was great. So I've always just had an appreciation for all types of ways that people inhabit space as a result. Um, But I think just because of the kind of person I am, I am very grateful that my mom is similar in that we need stuff to be like out of sight, out of mind. It's like it for both of it is for both of us, it is just very true that if the space is messy, then your mind is nowhere to be found. The one thing my mom does that <laughs> annoys me is that she doesn't always close cabinets or drawers. And so there'd literally be times where I'd like if she moved through the kitchen, I would have to go behind her and close everything. Otherwise, the knowledge of it being open would annoy me. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I really liked Doctor Who. And, like, I also really liked Dodie um, in a similar era. But that might have been, like, a year or two later. I'm not sure. Um, but the point is, what that kind of translated to is that especially because this was also, like, peak, quote-unquote, British YouTuber era, as I just liked British things, like a British energy. And I still very much do. I mean, I studied abroad in London. You don't really do that (laughs) if you don't appreciate it. Because there were a lot of people that went to London, I think, expecting it to be, like, a pretty isolated metropolitan energy, even though it is, like, every part of the UK, despite like uh, how different north and southern northern and southern divides are despite like how heavily classist it is how heavily like racist some things can be um it's like it in all sorts of ways those each of those elements have deep histories that make every aspect of it like british in its own way and so to come in and expect a remove just because there are similar issues to the U.S., I feel like is a bit naive. And even if I went in for cultural reasons as a child, liking the U.K., like or liking like British culture, if you will, um, it lended me to like always being interested in like keeping up with like politics. And so I've always been aware. And so I guess it was less of a culture shock for me than for some people, because I know some people had a really def- difficult time. 
adjusting even coming from New York. Um, but I loved it. London, it's a good time. But I still love the countryside. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but anyway, very much, I kind of, so something I did recently, again, in light of, like, petting my cat, thinking about this time in my life, is I was looking at old pictures, and there's one of my 13th or 14th birthday, I want to say, and I, again, in, like, a bit of a British (laughs) mood, I made bunting with, which is, like, many Americans, like, don't know this word, which is fair enough, I guess, but it's, like, the flags that are kind of, like, a banner of flags, you know? But I had my name on it in, like, big letters with all these different colored papers. I had such, like, fun, a really fun colored comforter, and the room, my room was so lively, and I had my posters all framed on the walls, whatever. And so the point is I made bunting with my name on it. (laughs) that I put above my bed and yeah I just started decorating a little bit more because I think I'm always because my mom's moved a lot lately I just haven't with her first house in Raleigh Durham I like put a lot of effort into like doing a whole photo wall getting new framing and stuff and then she moved here when I wasn't here to like help move um to the house where we are it's still in Raleigh Durham but I just haven't, like, put in a ton of effort since, and so this is my way of, like, doing small things to enter the space. And I also, um, dried, I'm drying some flowers, but I just tape them to the wall, and just trying to do whatever I can to embrace it. But this also just goes back to what I was saying, again, in another episode of ignoring routine doesn't mean one won't form. And you might as well curate it, do things. So it's like, oh, I'll just make some fun little adjustments. And in this case, kind of like not intentionally, the color scheme of this room has become a bit purple. Or there's just a lot of purple accents. And that's not something I expected. But with any of my rooms, there is, and I feel like maybe this is true for most people, but just rather organically, a a core color will kind of come through and in um my last apartment I want to say that it was like kind of red mostly red and the one before it was definitely in London the flat was definitely red but my um studio on Tompkins before was definitely like a sage green kind of thing and my first apartment in New York was pink um, stuff like that. There's just always, always a cork color, which is fun. But also, some little lore. Um, at this one school, uh, I went to for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. I, I transferred schools a lot, not because, like, anything would happen with, regarding it to me, but it was just, like, going to school in Chicago, things change a lot. Um, so it's, like, even if, I always went to, like, good schools, but that meant that, like, if a school somewhat nearby that wasn't as good shut down, it would, like, influx into our school, there'd be less resources, and it would just, like, be pretty noticeable. So my mom would have me transfer so that way I could, like, stay in a good school, if that makes sense. 
Um, so every like couple of years I would transfer. But this school was the longest I had been anywhere until I went to high school. And it, like it's still true because I transferred to colleges and then graduated early, uh, or universities rather. Um, high school is those four years. That's the longest I've ever been at a school. So I was perpetually the new kid growing up, but I stayed at this one where I met Natalie for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And in fourth grade, I became like best friends with this one girl who I feel like I might have talked about before. I don't know, but if I, if I have, it's this one story. If I haven't, then here's the new story. Um, but her and I, we were, we were really close. She's, um, she was great, but she was, she just was not as smart as me. And that was like, at the time, especially being big, very much liking Tumblr and like the 1975 intelligence (laughs) or like the perception of it was a big thing for me. And I just took deep pride in being a smart person, like book smart, especially, even though I was also more street smart than her. She was a little sheltered. Um, she's still, like, very great person, but I was also better at her in sports, and we just did a lot of the same things, and there was that whole complex, um, and there was one time we went to mini golf, it was just her, me, and my mom, and she was beating me in mini golf, and I had the biggest meltdown in the middle of the course and my mom was like you go to the end I'm gonna finish this game with her have fun (laughs) like you know what maybe that's right um and I feel like I literally feel like that might be why to this day I still don't want a friendship based on respect um because it's just like a gateway to that kind of complex whether or not like a party wants to participate or not like in this case like I could feel that this one friend of mine like respected me in some ways and I was like I don't want that pressure I think partially like reactionary because I know how I am when I feel like I have to live up to like a god image you know um so but the thing with many is also I was just like as I got more frustrated the worse I got um so that was funny but also side note um, when one of my friends and I went to Cornwall when we were studying abroad, um, <laughs> on the last day, we, our, our coach back to the city wasn't until, I want to say like 10 or 11 at night, because we took a red eye both ways, because we thought it'd be like a fun adventure. And we were both so sick on the way there, like not nauseous, like we came down with a cold, uh, that it was just brutal to be on a bus for that long. Um, we had like the whole day, so we, did, we were like we kind of ran out of activities because we didn't want to go anywhere. We couldn't really go back to the hostel, so we just played mini golf for a while. It was fun, um, and I'm now mature enough that I don't know which of us won or who lost, and I don't care because it was a good time. And we had a burrito; it was pretty good. Um, it was a new key in Cornwall. I liked it. That was such a great trip. Corn, that like that little Cornwall adventure, despite being s- so absurdly ill, um, but honestly, lives rent free in my mind. I think about it very often, 
And I'm also someone where rather than recall details, I very much tend to remember how I felt about it. Because there's that one quote that I just like read as a kid that very much stuck with me is it's people will remember how you made them feel, not what you said. And I've since learned some people will remember to a T what you say, um, which is like fine. But I was like, damn, the quote led me a little astray. And I just happen to be someone where that is true, where I just remember the feeling more than the content necessarily so i'll just remember like the energy of a place or a trip and i am a little bit like as a writer um i am a bit i don't really write poetry like ever i've been trying to do more um but i am rather poetic which is just like very much leaning into the lens of which you view things and so because I view things by vibe, I can, I think that lends itself to my writing being, like, a bit pretty in some ways, um, uh, or ornate, maybe, because I then, my goal is to convey that feeling rather than the the nitty-gritty, and I think also, to me, the nitty-gritty also just comes across as, like, keeping score to some degree, because that's how it was in like my worst relationships it did not matter what I said like it could be the most normal statement you've ever heard um like I had this for dinner on Tuesday and at like no, I wish this was an exaggeration but like I, I mean I don't recall the, the details because that's the whole point is I don't do that but they would be like you remember this this time when you weren't free or you said this thing with this tone? And I was like, this is over text message. How can you read tone? Um, and because of like how on my phone I had to be for some of these early relationships and how like deeply controlled and like kept tabs on, I, I was, that grammar is atrocious. Um, it's what, five in the morning? Oh, it's 5.30 now. Cool. I forgot I was talking and that time passes. <laughs> Um, but I just got so used to, like, everything I said being of, like, the gravest importance to meaning of interpretation of being, like, picked out and having to be so careful all the time, but having to be so attentive and so on top of things that it was literally just, like, um, I, I just never wanted to do that to anybody else. And so that's also part of why. I'm someone where if I have a problem, I'll say it in the moment, if for no other reason, then I literally will not remember, you know? Hi, Grace Shapey. What? <laughs> she just came on the bed and then jumped off. Um, okay, but anyway, this girl who I played golf, mini golf with when I was in fourth grade, we were inseparable, we did everything together, um, especially because I've had this one friend for my entire life, I talk about him in the spirituality episode, um, like helping him study for CCD and stuff like that. But he moved, so we we went to school together uh, on and off because of the weird school stuff, and we didn't live, like, we lived close to each other but not right next to each other. Um, so we went to school on and off together in Chicago until he moved to the suburbs in fourth grade. So even though I saw him, like, every month, we did horseback riding together. We would, like, I'd sleep over. Um, we'd go to the mall a lot. Hot topic, <laughs> specifically. 
But we don't need to talk about that. Moving on swiftly. Um, actually, I'll, I'll pause. We both really liked Five Seconds of Summer literally since their inception in like 2011, 2012, depending on what you count as like formal, the formal institution because the band members like switched out a bit. I know so much because I've literally been with the band since the beginning, since like the Keek video days. Not kick, Keek. Um, it's crazy. Uh, but he, he calls, so he really likes Luke Hemmings and I like Callum Hood. Callum Hood to this day, pretty much my only celebrity crush or like very definitive one. Definitive one. Uh, so I call him Callum and he calls me Luke. So I can just refer to him as Callum, I guess. Um, but anyway, like in the, in my day-to-day life, there is still like this hole, I guess. And that this person that I went to school with in fourth grade, going to a new school, um, kind of filled that, but I don't want to say it, phrase it like that because everyone's their own, everyone holds their own worth. And that very much was not the lens with which I viewed it, but it was just like, I've always known from day one that like no one's gonna, no one's gonna be a better friend to me than Callum. Callum's my best friend for my whole life. He is literally my heart and soul. We are the same person. Um, but anyway, just girl. And I, we were fourth grade, chilling, fifth grade. There are these girls that she was friends with in third grade before I came along, who all of fourth grade, she told me about how shitty they treated her, these three girls. Um, and she told me about how mean they were to her and because of, like, she's not the smartest, she's not the most, like, capable in sports either, and this was a very athletically driven school, um, which I excelled in. Have all the sports, baby. No big deal. Um, <laughs> imagine flexing about being in fifth grade. Uh, but it's just in my blood. It's just au naturel. That's what I'm getting at. No, I'm, I'm not, but I am. But I also know that at this point, I I need to get. I need to. We we still need more play in my life. Anyway, in fifth grade, she was like, "Oh, like I kind of want to hang out with them again sometimes." So the five of us became a little friend group, and. I think that the girls had, like, been, uh, this is, like, how I understood at the time, was the girls had been mad that they felt like I took away the person that they could, like, put down to make feel better about themselves. And so they started, like, targeting me, and they started telling this girl that I had been so close with, like, there were lies about me. But because she had already, like, formed a need to be liked so badly... She just kind of, like, left me in the dust. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing this. And that's how I became friends with someone like Natalie. Or I guess I'm not saying the other name. I, well, why am I saying one name? I guess because it's in a positive light. It's weird how I decide these things. Um, but anyway, like, her and then this one girl who moved to Florida shortly after. Her name's Gabby. She was also lovely and just kind of let me... I became friends with more people rather than I think before my whole life I'd been like a one person is my best friend kind of thing. And I still do like to do individual friendships. And I think that's part of why like that little instance is why I literally still don't do friend groups to this day. But it's partially because um, I think I mentioned this. So I recorded a podcast episode that I thought would be like a little fun and flirty thing about um, like being in high school did all the crazy things I got up to and then I realized that I probably shouldn't put that 
out. Not that there's, like, anything bad, but it just, like, you know, <laughs> we don't need to talk about it. Um, on in a public sphere. And nothing uncouth, if you will. But I think this is when I explained this part just as a prelude to high school. Is that in seventh grade, I had a friend group again because I went to an academic center, or Taft Academic Center, I guess I can just say it. Um, even though I couldn't say the other school, why does, how do I decide these things? I don't really know. Um, which is basically just like in seventh and eighth grade in, in an academic center, you get high school credit. And theoretically, you would just like graduate from high school a year early, but most people will stay in high school for the full time and just take AP classes. So that way you can graduate college early like I did. Um, so Taft is not a good school. <laughs> it's like, it's just not. Um, but they have an IB program. They have an AVID program. And then they have that academic center. And there's only a handful of high schools that had an academic center. And I just lived the closest to Taft. So even though I got in, like I was going to go to the Jones one. Um, was I? No, I was going to go to Jones for high school. There is no Jones Academic Center. I'm insane. I wanted to go to Whitney. Um, Whitney Young. That's where Michelle Obama went to school. Anyway. <laughs> you know, Chancellor Ever went to Jones. Who? This is useless information. But I always feel a need to detail whatever comes to mind for some forsaken reason. But it was just, like, closest one to me, so that's where I decided to go. And I became friends with these three girls. And we were besties. It was the time of my life. It was so good. We were so, it was so fun, so funky. Um, we all traded music. We all got along so well. And it was just a great time. And I think, like, four was a really good number because these two girls, like, kind of already knew each other before. And then me and this one girl swam together. And so... I think four is, like, I think four is a pretty, like, good number for a friend group because you can have, like, that kind of dual split but then still feel close and, like, connected on a whole and not just divest, if you will. But in eighth grade, five seconds of summer comes back into the story. Five seconds of summer, a thread in my life, you know? <laughs> but on the first day, I was wearing my Five Seconds of Summer shirt because I had seen them open for One Direction in concert over the summer, you know. I think it was the Take Me Home tour. Um, imagine knowing that. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> oh, God. I'm a little crazy for that to this day. I remember what I wore, too. But we, we don't need to talk about it. Um, will I admit this? I guess I'll admit this. But this is just a trope. But it's, <laughs> it's like a it's like 14 year old girls like shaving for a concert uh it was crazy anyway um <laughs> it was hilarious but not that I was I think I would have been 13 at the time but this girl came in wearing the same shirt and she was like she had just transferred to the academic center that year um and she was like, oh, my God. And so I was like, I came up to my finger. I was like, you're never going to believe this. This girl's in with us. She's, we're taking her in. Come on. <laughs> Just because of that. There's no one in my finger, as much as I could get them to like any other music. I got them to like some of my screamo bands that Callum introduced me to. Um, 
because I'd literally been like years and I'd like scream out, but I also like five sauce and like one direction. So was, you never knew what you were going to get with me um, in terms of music. But I was like, she, she likes five sauce. We're doing this thing. And then um, we like had fun. We had a good time. And this girl who also like five sauce, she and I also had our own like good friendship because we did all of the sports together because she was also like very athletic so we had a good time doing that having our own little vibes our own little moment and it was just a good time it was like fun we were like with high schoolers we weren't the seventh graders um so it was like we had we got the hang of things but also it was crazy because that school is two floors with four thousand people and the passing periods are two minutes but for, like, the language classes, we had to go to the far side of, like, the high schooler's wing, and we had, like, an academic center wing, which was more than two minutes if the halls were empty, and cliche as it is, I ran, I ran like a (laughs) motherfucker to get to class, I was also, the gym was over there, and you had to, like, change within the two minutes, and I was like, literally, how the fuck did I do that, because when I got to high school, we had seven minute passing periods, with, like, less than a thousand kids and three floors so I was like this is so nice this is luxury this is uh, a better institution (laughs) um so yeah but by the end of the year we all knew we were going to high school and because Chicago has like a selective enrollment system if you I mean you can just go to your neighborhood school but I I don't know I don't know it anyone that just did neighborhood school like everyone that I know at least did like a special program even if you stay even if they stayed at Taft they did IB usually um because for seventh and eighth grade we did IB also um or like some like lead up to IB thing I don't really know what it was um but basically my friend group we were all going to different schools um except for me and this one girl the one that I swam with, we were going to the same school. And I, th- I, I to this day, like, can't quite source why this happened. Like, maybe it was because of how the former friend group went. Maybe it was just because I knew that I always lost contact with other people. Um, but maybe I was just scared. But I started, like, avoiding my friend group. And I would just go eat lunch alone in the library every day. Well, not alone. There was someone I had a crush on that also ate lunch there sometimes. And so that was fun. <laughs> and I would just talk to him sometimes. But this was the point. Uh, I would just read or I literally sometimes would like eat in the bathroom. And like nothing happened. Like we didn't disagree. I just like started doing that because I was convinced they hated me. So I think I was also just like at that point, my like social anxiety was really bad. And I just wasn't in a good place mentally because ah, swimming. Hello. Hi, baby. Yeah, I'm talking about you. <laughs> She's so strange. Um, so I guess it was just a lot of things at once. And then the stress of that, like, big change really took a toll on me. But eventually my friends, like, obviously, they're going to notice. <laughs> and like, hey, what's going on? And so I told them. And I had never, like, talked about mental health before. Because even with my best friend, Callum, he, him and I, like, it was just kind of an unspoken thing that both of us were, like, unwell. Um, except for a few in- instances that I won't, like, discuss at all. Um, 
where is a bit more overt, but it just wasn't something we talked about. It wasn't something to be addressed with my mom because to her, it's like, especially at that age, um, and I didn't understand this, like how hard being a parent can be for someone who was traumatized because she had a really difficult life. But to her, it's the kind of thing where it's like, your life is so much easier than mine. How could you still not be happy? How did, like, how it can feel like a personal failure. And at the same time, it's so much more than they ever had. Um, but I told them about, like, all of this mental health stuff. And I went to, like, therapy soon after. And that's when I was diagnosed um, with um, the chronic depression and the chronic anxiety. Severe anxiety. I was like, oh, damn, I didn't know it was severe. <laughs> I thought this was normal. And then it's not. Um, but they're also understanding. And we stayed, like, in really good touch that first year of high school. But um, the girl that I went to high school with, obviously, we didn't have, like, every, all of our classes together. Because in 7th and 8th grade, we had, like, taken the same language. There isn't, like, much room for, like, movement between courses. And we just took the same electives, whatever. Except for art, I don't think. She took that. I think she took band or something. Um, I'm an art kid. What can I say? <laughs> I I am. Unfortunately, that is true. Not unfortunately. That's the best kind of people. Um, I'm just not good enough. Then that's the unfortunate part. I still am just a very creative person. And this is where I get into the whole, it's okay to be, like, embrace being bad at your hobbies. Because I was bad at art, but I have fun. It was a good time. I was good at digital art photography stuff like that but I took a sculpture class in high school it was a good time but I was not good um anyway (laughs) I was derailed so badly and so that first year she like I feel like I've talked about this but I do think it was in the episode where I talk about things that I make it non- publishable and we just got she had gotten really close to this one other girl and I still in some ways was stuck with this mentality of like you have one best friend and I couldn't like handle it and so I it was definitely my fault but like forced a bit of a falling out and so we just weren't friends after that and then I went on my whole other high school journey whatever cool don't really feel I need to get into that because this point is supposed to be a bit more childhood targeted um but her and I like a year later because we still swam together on the high school team had a bit of like had a little like heart to heart and it was it was like very small but because of the kinds of people we were it's like we understood what was being said you know and because we knew each other so well um that was it was nice it was like a good kind of closure we still like follow each other on social media still like amicable but it's you know it's just like I will literally anybody that I have ever been close friends with it's amazing it's also like I'm so driven by friendship that when I'm trying to talk about my life I literally can only talk about the people I've known and with any literally anybody I've mentioned for better or for worse I could tell you everything that I remember about them from start to fin- like I was, care so much and I always will and will only ever want the best um for anybody that I've known in any like capacity of this kind where, where, where friendship is involved 
That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah. I'm so emotional. Oh my god, I might cry. Yeah. It was nice. Seventh and eighth grade, that friendship. Uh, and it makes me kind of... A lot of them... So when we fell out, I I was a thousand percent in the wrong. And I, I recognize that. Um, so I, the friend group up until that point, we'd like kept together in all like odd ways for like a year and a half after graduating seventh and eighth grade. And for the most part, they all still stayed like friends. Uh, the four of them. And I like I still know all of their birthdays and stuff like that, even though we don't really always say that to each other anymore. Um it's weird that we've graduated both high school and college now. Oh. <laughs> oh man. Um but it was one of their birthdays the other day. And one of us uh doesn't have Instagram because it just wasn't good for her mental health ever. Um, and she's such a soft soul. She's the most lovely person, human being you could ever imagine meeting. Um, but the other two that do have Instagram, or the other two, aside from the girl whose birthday it was, posted for her birthday. And literally, like, even though I'm not a part of that anymore. Oh my god. Whoa. How do I get so high-pitched? Even though I'm not a part of that anymore, it still makes me so happy to, like, see that or even be able to observe the ways in which they're still connected. But, so in my Instagram bio, it's it's the name of a book, but wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. I'm so, like, grateful that things still went the way they did, that I fucked up in the ways I did, that, like, I apologized, and that doesn't necessarily make things better, but I'm glad that I strayed, because in a weird way, like, leaning into those, like, worst fears, those worst anxieties, I understood them better as I will work through them in therapy, and I've, like, healed parts of myself, and even though, like, I no longer have those or just to always, like, self-destruct the best friendships in my life out of fear. Um, I don't have, I don't, like, I literally don't understand that mindset anymore. And at the time, I did know, like, I had some comprehension, and now it's just so unfathomable to me. And I can accept it, and I can, like, have love for myself and where I was in that point in time. But I'm not tied to those cycles anymore like if I had stayed in the friendships that made me who I was at that point then I never would have grown past it and it's not to say that these people aren't growing in their own ways but they have decided their boundaries by sticking to the places that made them and there is nothing righteous or better about the path that I'm taking and the path that I'm taking is one where I very actively have left my Chicago community. I'm going to be leaving my New York community. 
uh, like things like that. Like I just, or I left Boston, even though I keep in touch with the people that I was like close to in all of these places. It's because I will disassociate a person from the place and I will make our connection about us, if that makes sense. So like one of my best friends, Delphine, hey, hey girl. (laughs) So she's one of my best friends from high school. But it doesn't, like, when I think of her, I don't process that it's because of Chicago. I don't process it's because of high school. I just see it as, like, oh, it's her and me in this world. You know what I mean? So I just don't want to be so bound by place. And I do feel like if I had stayed in those friendships at the times when I departed, then this would not be who I am. This would not be the ways that I am. And I love the people in my life so much that I can only be grateful for the roles that those friendships made me play. Or, I guess, sure, that works. That phrasing works. Um, so, yeah. Very grateful for everyone. And, I don't know. Let's see. Let's think about days in my life. So, in the summer, every August, I was spent well until I got a little older and better at swimming and my championship season would go longer in the summer or I was just like more serious about it um because like I started making state like less than a year into when I started swimming which was in 2008 when I was seven so by the time I was eight I was making like state cuts or like double a I don't know if why you know this but swimming cuts have like graded letters Um, And a state cut is usually an A time, but it depends on the state because Illinois, California, and Florida, and I think New York maybe, are the best swim states in the country, and the U.S. is the best swimming country in the world. Woohoo! So there are, like, different cuts state by state, obviously, to make it fair, uh, but these are national standards for cuts, so I was doing uh, double A times by the by eight uh but I still wasn't like serious then because it just been a year and that like didn't really mean anything to either my mom or I because she played basketball like in college too um I I don't know she did for all of college I think she might have stopped um but whatchamacallit oh so just like swimming just didn't necessarily mean a lot to her so I would still spend every August with my dad in San Diego and La Jolla specifically and I don't know it was like I guess I'll just describe the house of it but we had it was I will not detail I won't give up the address or even the street name because um my dad's ex still lives there I think, or as, at least as far as I know, so there's just no point, in, you know. Oh, but it was right by the beach, um, like two blocks away. It was south of the cove and all of those like popular points, um, or downtown La Jolla, I guess. Uh, it's near Rigoberto's. I love Rigoberto's. Uh, <laughs> it's a taco shop. Uh, but it was. So all, most of the houses were on, like, the forefront of the street, as you would. Like, it was just, like, brought up. But we had this little, like, corridor that had, like, the bougainvillea over it. Um, the little, made a little archway that felt like a little secret tunnel into the house. It was so magical. And uh, 
So there's a little, when you get to the house, there's like a little opening for the front patio. There's a little side yard where we had a garden. And I would always like help do the gardening, whatever. And there's a small grassy area also in the front with a hammock. And I napped in that hammock all the time. You know I was in that hammock. And we had a little bird fountain because there's a lot of hummingbirds. Or a little fountain that a lot of hummingbirds came to. And I just remember always having to like clean it, clean the windows, stuff like that. And then you walk in and it's the living room. And we have this like nice like L-shaped couch that's really soft and like a kind of deeper olive green I guess and so my dad's like girlfriend I guess I mean yeah because they never got married but they were together for like 12 years literally a few years after my mom and I my mom and my dad divorced and my mom and I moved to Chicago when I was like two um so by the time I was four until I was like 13 um but I, this, until 13, because I just stopped going to California after that um, and didn't really see my dad until high school graduation when I was, like, 18. So they were still together. They broke up sometime in there. Not that that's important, I guess. But that's, again, I just always feel the need to be specific. So there you go. Um, so I just, like, always knew her. So she just felt like an extension of, like, family because she was. And so she had two daughters. She had one older daughter and then uh one younger one but they're both a lot older than me but they were half sisters and so I just considered them like stepsisters and they were the point is this lady she was very like artsy like she did a lot of watercolors or not watercolors like uh, like I mean she did do watercolors sometimes but she did a lot of like acrylic painting landscapes of the beaches the cliffs stuff like that but they also knit and cooked and baked a lot um so the point is there I the blanket that I really remember was this red one that she had knit my like stepmom and it was just always on the couch um and there is a little round table and then we got to the kitchen with the island where we made homemade pizzas like once a week once every few weeks um also they are the (laughs) my stepmom taught me how to read nutrition labels literally when I was like six um in the grocery aisle she's like this is important and just so like so deeply villainized food for me for such a young age this definitely did not help with the swimming eating disorder community um but anyway She's probably why I'm so, like, good at cooking and baking and whatever. But they had, like, they literally had a little studio just for painting. But my slightly older stepsister still lived there, the older, the oldest one. I was already in college. She went to UCLA. Um, I went to her graduation. I remember that. Um, But, so, yeah, you turn just before the kitchen you turn to the left bathrooms on the right stairs up to the second floor which was just my dad and my stepmom's room and then you hit the end of the hall and my room's on the right you turn left the art room is on the right and then it was my older sister's room and she had these like cute little heart pillows and I was like oh they're cute and I was like my I was like oh like here you can like use it while you're here 
and she gets so mad about that. I remember that very vividly. <laughs> and I was like, it's a pillow. You you can have it back. And I was like eight years younger than her. And I think this was when I was still like pretty new to the family. Um, So I was just, I was quite a sensitive small child. And I've just always been someone who like, again, this is presumptuous. And I know now that like, it takes away autonomy from people. But I just like, I just always assumed everything was my fault. I'm the worst person in the world, not to cite the movie, um, that kind of thing. So I just, like, took it so hard, and that's why I literally remember it to this day about, like, making her at all upset, because I looked up to her so much, and I was like, oh my god, she's such a, like, cool older sister, she does all this art stuff, she's so creative, she's so smart. She's literally, last I checked, she was doing her PhD at, like, Berkeley, um, so she's still balling. I think it's an engineering thing, too. Um, so she still, like, is so cool. She played water polo, all that stuff. And I was like, wow. she's so, And I was just so devastated to have let her down in any way. And all I was trying to do was, like, uh, like imitate her. Um, so, yeah, but it was in the summer. My stepmom, like, would go to work a lot. Um, my stepsister was, like, split the time between her mom and her dad's house and then also did all sorts of stuff so the only person for the most part it was like me and my dad every day but he still had to work we did most of the stuff on most of his work just like in a com- on his computer in the garage because he had an office in there and so a lot of my days were kind of still to myself so our early morning ritual would be that we would go to this cafe in downtown La Jolla I'd get a chocolate chip cookie we'd play some like tetherball at the recreation center because I fucked with tetherball, and I was ass at it. My dad would whoop me every time, because he did not make it easier for a small child. He still played at his level, and <laughs> I was still, like, determined, and I thought I could get it. Or he played basketball, he taught me how to throw football, um, played tennis, whatever, sport of the day, and then we'd go across the street to the library, and I'd pick out, like, books for the week, so that way whenever I was alone, I had stuff to do, I would read, I'd watch TV, sit on the hammock, whatever and at the end of like most days we'd go down to the beach pick rocks uh like pick or i pick shells climb the rocks because the beach that was near us has a lot of like cool small tide pools kind of thing and on the weekends we would go more to downtown la jolla to the cove um and i might get I think this is the name of it, but there's something called Sandy Beach, which is, like, just south of the proper beach that is, like, called the Cove, and Sandy Beach is so much better because there's a little hermit crab pool, and during low tide, you can, like, take the empty hermit crab shells, and it's a little mean because they do still move to them, it's just, like, an apartment that they're not in right now, but there's also a bunch of sea glass on that one, there's no people, you're not really supposed to, but you can climb the cliffs and stuff, and so I would always climb the cliffs, in all the waves and it was just a great time um but I would collect the sea glass and make art out of it sometimes with my downtime I would draw a lot um because up until like sixth grade seventh grade I really liked drawing and I was not good at it (laughs) but I was like okay I was decent and my drawing skills just have not furthered from that uh, but I still really 
enjoyed it. And yeah, I had the time of my life. But also, I like would talk to my mom every once in a while because like that I feel like that's a normal thing to do and I would miss her and whatever. Uh and whatever. That's a weird <laughs> weird addition. Um but I would like just sit in the bath and call her for a while. And my dad because my dad didn't like it when I called her and I would literally like lie. I'd come out of the bathroom and he'd be like, Who are you on the phone with? And I was like, Oh Nana Like I would just lie because I didn't <laughs> wanna get screamed at because my dad this is taking a turn, but this is just how it was. He drank like a fair amount. He probably drank like literally just from my memory, I think like maybe a six pack a day. Um, or just like in the evening. And he would get like just he's just like a little bit of an angry person. My mom said that sometimes I would call like afraid. Um but I don't remember this. My child brain did a good job with many things of just blocking it out. And so if I would, like, take a bath and I was on the phone, even if it was Nana, but if he wasn't in a good mood and a little bit, like, he would just, like, scream at me. Not a great time. But otherwise, like, that home still, I just felt like such a deeply creative and, like, soft space genuinely for expression. And even though there is, like, very clearly correct forms of expression, if you will, I was raised to be, like, by my mom, a very polite child, so the kinds of expectations that the house had, or the restrictions that were in place regarding creativity, I was fine with, like, that was easy to me, and so it just felt very free, and I loved, I can still, like, remember the walks to all the different beaches, to all the different key points so vividly, like, there's this one house that always had, like, the, you know how you could like stack rocks I know there's a name for it but they always had different like formations in front of their house or they'd have a bunch some days and you could see them rebuild it and all of La Jolla is a very nice area of San Diego um so all of the houses were beautiful and I really learned to appreciate like the architecture there and I think that's why I have such a deep soft spot for a lot of like terracotta influences on houses or Spanish influences or Mexican influences because it was so close to the border we went to Mexico a few times um and I really like the old town in San Diego the old town in San Diego is so fire um and I love churros one thing about me I'm a I'm a beast of churro um so when I went to the Spain for the first time in high school and I had a Spanish churro I was like is this a joke? Like, like, excuse me? What? What are you trying to tell me? Um, especially the chocolate that they have you dip it in. Like, it's literally just better without dipping it in milk. Chocolate milk. What's wrong with you? Um, um, I'm a purist. And that's to say that the Mexican way is the right way. Thank you. Um, I stand by that for most things. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> didn't mean to get too passionate, but I take my churros seriously. Um, I'm a feisty person and I have a weird sense of justice and I do not hold others to my sense of justice 
but I hold myself to it because I live so closely to my values. Ivy, hello. She looks. She just woke up because there's geese outside honking about. Is that a big yawn? You're so cute. I love my cat so much. I'm gonna miss them. When I move out, I still have to figure out the subletting situation. But anyway, yeah, San Diego, I spent a lot of time on the beach. My dad would also sometimes, like, go for runs in the morning or in the afternoon, and I would just, like, I was not running in the sand. I thought that man was insane. It was so hard. Um, So I would just, like, sit on the beach, and I literally would just talk to the waves. Um, And I thought that I could, like, control them because I would guess how far the tide would come in. And at first, and then it got to the point where it's, like, it's literally just, like, pattern recognition of, like, how, like, the physics of a wave, like, you can tell how it's going to build. You can tell where it's going to crash for and release and flow out to. Um, but I would tell it to do the thing I knew it was going to do. And, and I was like, we're besties. You and me, we're, we're connected like this. I'm crossing my fingers if you can't tell. Um, but also for reference, I was born in Pacific Beach. And we had, had, we had a house there, and every once in a while, my dad, like, rented it out when he moved to La Jolla. We still went back every once in a while. There was a tangerine tree and an orange tree. There's a pool table in the basement. So my dad would teach me how to play pool. Um, all that fun stuff, you know? And there's a few times my family um, on his side is mostly from the East Coast. There's a few of them in Minnesota. Um, but they'd fly up from the East Coast and then stay at that house, and then we would go, too, just because there's more room, um, in PB, Pacific Beach, um, and also my favorite park was called Fanuel Park, but as a small child, I could not say Fanuel, so I call it Fanny Park, which is funny enough to American English. Like Americans, but then to the British, that must have been that must be crazy to hear. Not that I said it to any British people, but still. Um, yeah, and it was just along the beach, so I went to that park a lot, and I always made friends for like the day. I was so good at that. I was such a social little kid. Um, but it was mostly I think because Lucia and I were so good at building imaginary worlds, that they were just like happy to be a part of my game. But I always had such strict rules that I don't really know why they followed. But at the same time, like, kid brains are all about, like, understanding rules, learning them, playing with them. So I'm sure that it was kind of maybe nice in that way for them. Me just hoping <laughs> by using child psychology. Um, but I really liked that house. It was That was on Kendall Street. My dad doesn't, he sold the house a while ago, so um, I can say that. And it also looks completely different now. It's been renovated up the wazoo and whatever. Um, I don't actually know if the orange tree and the tangerine tree are still there. But I hope they kept that much. It was a big backyard also. Um, the one in La Jolla is not as big, but it's also a more expensive area. But San Diego in general, it was pretty, pretty spinny. Um, but also when I got more serious about swimming... And I would still go there for a bit in the summer. Like, this was the transition period before I just stopped going. Um, I swam for a swim team there called Wind and Sea. And I would go to their swim meets. And I was literally like, damn, California swimmers ain't shit. 
Because they were so, in the nicest way possible, they were so slow. Like, compared to what we had going on in Illinois, that shit was deep. That shit was crazy. If you were in, it was wild. But because everyone just, like, kind of just swims in general in San Diego, because, like, the ocean's there. We would do ocean swims for practice some days, which was fun. Um, that was also where I learned how to blow ring bubbles. Um, but they didn't tell, like, I told the coach, I was like, I don't know what this is. Like, I've never done a ring bubble before. He was like, oh, just, like, watch the other kids and figure it out. So I thought you had to do it with your nose. You do it with your mouth. It's a lot easier with your mouth, but it looked like they were doing it with their nose. Because they are all plugging their nose, so I was like, oh, that surely must be it. So I learned how to do it with my nose first, and when I brought it back to Chicago, a lot of people in Chicago do ring bubbles with their nose because of me and my misinterpretation. Because we just, it wasn't really a thing. But they just have more fun, so it's just a more laid-back approach. So everyone's just, like, kind of base-level good at swimming in San Diego. But they're not great. Whereas in Illinois, you've got to be, like, committed. Um... But it was still fun. We had a good time. Um, yeah. I don't know. It was just... That time, it was characterized by a lot of, like, deep play. And I'd say it was, despite having, like, passing friends or friends on the swim team, or I would go to, like, summer... Oh, I would also go to summer camp. I completely forgot about that. But it wasn't always... So there was one time I went to summer camp at a country club and it was like a golf and tennis camp, but I didn't really like golf. So the the morning session was always tennis. The afternoon session would be golf. So I just played tennis all day. I did a lot of tennis camps growing up, so I was pretty good. Um, But it was also at this particular camp, I made friends with these like three siblings and they all also just did tennis so it would pretty much just be us playing tennis all day and it was a good time and we would always bring like different candies to like play poker with at lunch in the country club which is a good time um and then I went to the summer camp at the San Diego Zoo once but that was kind of far from what I remember but I was friends with this one girl and she ate bugs I was like, oh my god, you're insane! Because we had this, like, presentation, because it's a zoo, there's a little bit of a spectacle for these kids that love animals, like me. And also the pandas, I think, were pretty new to the zoo at that point. So that was cool. And it was also cool to see, because we could go behind the scenes in every way, on, like, all of the places. So you could see, like, the sharks and their eggs, and we've got to watch sharks hatch, and it was cool. Um, But anyway, there's this presentation he was like any brave souls want to come up and eat like a mealworm or something and my friend said yes I was like you're insane she said it tastes like nachos and I was like you're lying you're a little liar um (laughs) but it was fun and I also went to camp at SeaWorld and this is the thing I didn't know SeaWorld was bad as a kid I wish that my dad knew because now I feel like shit every time I bring it up but I was like I loved SeaWorld it was so fun the roller coasters I had a great time they had horses. I loved horses. I rode them back in Chicago. I was like, yeah, this is so sick. The Clydesdales are crazy. They're so big. I'm not used to this. Not that you ride them in SeaWorld. Um, but I still had so much fun. And then I learned that SeaWorld's a horrible place. And I was like, oh my God, I feel, I feel so guilty about that for so long. And I was like, it just feels like I'm justifying it to be like, I was a kid and I didn't know, even though like I literally, I did not know. Um, so except I did it. It is wrong. I'll advocate for that. So sorry. Um, 
but yeah, just lots of summer camps too, but it was, yeah, just a lively place full of, like, play and art and the ocean, good weather, um, it was fun, my stepmom didn't really, like, let us have any processed foods almost ever, but I loved processed foods, (laughs) so I ate a lot of Rice Krispie treats, and there is one day that I remember, my dad's not a good cook, um, but I keep almost saying her name, but my stepmom was out of town, and so he was just, like, fighting for his life, and I'm not a big pancake person, and that's, like, the only thing he can make, like, well, and so, but I fucked with toast so heavy, like, just buttered toast, so I literally just ate a loaf of bread in a day, just, like, a, a loaf of bread's worth of toast, um, which is a good time. I loved it. It was good. My dad and I, that was one thing we did. We would sometimes walk over to a 7-Eleven that was nearby and he would let me get like one snack and he would get his beer. And that would be our little like secret <laughs> from her for being so healthy. And every once in a while we went to this place called Busy Bees too. And we would get like bagels for the family. Um, especially if like both of my older sisters were in town and my oldest sister, her now husband, um, was also at the wedding. Very nice. Um, but like sometimes he would come over and that's when we would, my dad and I would just go gather bagels for the troops or sometimes I, if I didn't want to wake up, I would just come out to bagels. Um, so I would just get a plain bagel with cream cheese and a sunny D cause I was such a picky eater, which was rough in that house, which brings me to two little um segments of my stepmom like her rule is just always like I just had to try everything and I still just do that and I'm not a picky eater anymore so it's fine um but I remember her having me try asparagus and I was like it's green this is gonna be disgusting and I loved it but I could not tell her that because I was really stubborn and I just wanted to be right about everything especially my own opinions and I was like oh I just still don't like it but I loved it and I wanted more of that asparagus (laughs) Um, and similarly, she was like, oh, like, this is my favorite book. I think it's The Secret Garden. And I read it and like, it's only like a 110 page book. I want to say I read it in like 45 minutes, which doesn't feel crazy to me at all. And she was like, there's no way you just finished that. And I was like, I like, I swear on my life I finished, like, this was me telling, like, I was telling her, I was like, I finished the book, that would be a weird thing to lie about, um, but I was like, I don't think I like it, and I, it was, like, fine, so I told her that, and I think that was why she just, like, didn't want to believe me, I don't know, but, yeah, it was a lot of the beach every Thursday in the summer, they had, like, a jazz concert series, so, in the afternoon, um, like five, six, we would bring a little picnic and uh, listen to the jazz concerts on the beach. My dad and I would go play frisbee and I would climb the trees, stuff like that. Um, yeah, just a very, but even in Chicago, like I know I'm not detailing this part right now, but even in Chicago, I was just like a deeply outdoorsy, playful kid. 
And I think that's part of why I so deeply to this day feel such a lack of play. Because at least in high school, like that is something I will say for swimming, even though it was so strict and regimented. It took up so much of my day that I didn't feel the lack of play so much because it was still like physical movement. It was still with friends. Some of them were my friends. Some of the people I swam with were iffy. Um, they seem like some of them seem like good people now. Some of them have gone down deep dark paths. Um, like they're gonna be successful, but at what cost? Kind of people, you know. Um, so I didn't really like feel that lack but now that I just have to go on long walks on my own all the time which I love I love the long walks but I just wish that it was still like the play that's why when I talk about people that I know in my life that do still play a lot I'm like damn these bitches got it right they got it covered (laughs) why can't I do that um so yeah just very child lots of lots of books lots of movies my dad would show me like old tv shows um like i remember we watched the monkeys that adam's family stuff like that uh but also just like i guess i'm just gonna detail the san diego side but um when i got a little bit older like 10 ish i guess um maybe I don't know. Anyway, can I skip that thought? It would be far too deep of a <laughs> side note. Um, but they, my dad and my stepmom, stepmom got two houses up in the mountains. One that they just like did up and rented out. That one scared me. It was like an hour and a half drive. And I was a big scaredy cat. I'm still a scaredy cat, but I can like deal with things for the most part now. But the trees freaks me out like the shadows and I was like I feel like I'm gonna I feel like I'm gonna be killed here I just wasn't good at like sleeping in new places in general um which is ironic because like my mom and I traveled a lot my whole life and that was easy for me because I think there's like an element of fun like oh it's a hotel like in my head hotels are were safe and now I know not so much but that's okay or not always rather um because some of the camera thing really freaks me out like, I've never, so far as I know, encountered, like, a public camera. But still. Yeah? Yeah, Amy? She brought me her mouse. Um, she wants attention. Yes! She's just like me. <laughs> Can you hear the purr? <laughs> She's rubbing her face all over the phone. She's so funny. Um... My stepmom was very mad because I was, like, begging my dad to drive us back. And we only took one car up. Um, so we had to go back to San Diego the same night. And it was, <laughs> it was rough. So we never stayed in that one. That was the one we rented out. Um, but it was in Descanso. Um, which is even more so. There's not really, we didn't have much Wi-Fi connection, that kind of thing. But I remember very specifically, like, my last winter break in uh San Diego she's going crazy with the mouse it's a toy obviously but um it was my stepsister my stepmom my dad and I we watched like all of the Harry Potter movies very cozy feel I was rereading all of the Harry Potter books over and over for like a week and 
just living in my own little world. And it was so cozy. And there was, like, one of the first times they had seen snow in San Diego, like, uh, they being my family, um, was then. And we had a cat. I forgot about that. Um, when I got older, they got a cat named Zorro. And he is lovely. Such a fun little kitty. There's one, there's, speaking of cats, this one's standing on me. Um, but we brought him up to the mountain house and we had a good time. And there's lots of horse, like if we ever walked around the neighborhood, a lot of our neighbors had horses and stuff like that. Um, so it was fun to like pet them, say hello. And also, side note, like when I was little, every day my dad would read me a story growing up. And this is how I read Moby Dick as a child is like he read it to me and then I just decided I wanted to read it um so I read Moby Dick as a very small kid because of those story times um so lots of classic literature got consumed through bedtime stories but that one I did read I swear I'm not just I'm not just counting on that (laughs) so yeah I don't know uh, what other, these are just, like, it's also crazy, because all of this is the basics of my, oh my god, I didn't even talk about the Padres, um, also the jewel mean, uh, La Jolla means the jewel, is what I was trying to say, in Spanish, and, uh, because my stepmom was Costa Rican, and my dad, like, learned Spanish, I can, like, speak a decent, I, well, I don't speak a lot of Spanish anymore, at the time I could speak a decent amount, and could just understand a fair amount. So that's why I can still, like, read Spanish fairly easily. Um, but yeah. I also went to Montessori school for preschool. Which just means, like, if you don't know, you choose the things yourself. So I chose to learn Spanish and sign language. Um, so that's also, I think, part of why Spanish was easy for me. I distinctly remember seeing, like, the leche. The milk cart. Leche? Leche, leche. Ah! <laughs> Clearly not good anymore. Um, but there's a little card for it, um, which I remember so clearly, and I love the Spanish teacher, she was great. Um, but we would also get to go to the Padres games, but I really like Petco Park, because I wasn't really a fan of bleachers, I thought I was, like, uncomfortable, like, kind of claustrophobic, and even as a kid, like, I just didn't like that many people, but there's, like, a hill, they, like, they keep one side of the stadium, like, there's no wall, um, and there's just, like, a little grassy hill, and we would just, like, bring a picnic and watch the game, and you still have to, like, get tickets to sit in the hill, but it's more, like, GA kind of thing, and I just loved it, it was so fun, I would roll down the hill, they had a little kiddo baseball park that I would go and play baseball at, they had a trivia thing that you could win pins and stamps, and I was a beast at trivia, because I love fun facts, um, and then if you go down the hill, later they built a park, and this, this was traumatic. I still not, I hate spinny things now for this reason. But they had one of those things that you sit in and you spin and I got stuck on it. And I was going so fast because I was such a skinny little thing that it was just flying and I was like shoved in there so I couldn't get out. So none of the, like no parents that were at the park could get me and my dad wasn't there because he just trusted me to not be supervised, I guess. Um... And he had, like, someone had, they were just like, what's your dad's name? I was like, Andrew. Oh, like, now you know my dad's name. Um, my mom is Christine, if you're wondering. 
Um, <laughs> but they had to, like, go find him. And then he had to, like, stop me, and I don't know how he didn't get... I probably got bruised kind of bad. Uh, so I hate spinny things. That was the worst, most nauseating feeling I've ever had in my life. Um, yeah, it was a good time. And I really liked that they... I was so enamored with the ice cream and a baseball cap, you know? Um, I also really like there's a Dairy Queen. I don't know if it's still open in San Diego, but it was, like, a red triangle hut. So it kind of looked like a pizza hut, I guess. But it was a Dairy Queen. And I was like, this building is so cool. And it was so massive for some reason. Like, there was nothing else in there. It's just a Dairy Queen. It was crazy. Anyway, I guess that's San Diego for you. Woo! Love beams. My voice is gone. <laughs>